Dads, it's up to us. You, I, we are responsible for the spiritual health of our families. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, we come before you, and God, just in the stillness of this room, and the quietness of our our thoughts right now, perhaps the troubles, perhaps the joys, God, wherever you have us in this life, I, God, I just pray that, that we would sense you, that we would hunger for you, that we'd thirst for you right now. God, would you speak? I just pray, Holy Spirit, will you speak today like never before? I pray as we open ourselves to you, as we unpack the Scriptures As we go word by word, verse by verse today, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate to our minds and our hearts and our souls. Not man's truth. Not what the culture says. No, God, what you say. And so, God, I pray you'd speak. Word of God, fall down like rain. Don't allow our hearts to be rebellious and resistant, but I I pray right now that Each one of us, myself at the top of the list, I pray we're hungering right now. God, I pray that we're just so excited. God, what are you going to say to me today? Do the work only you can do. And we pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Happy Father's Day to each one of you fathers, to our men as well. And, you know, I was thinking about this text in Joshua 24 and really thinking through it deeply and just... Pressing into the Word. Have you ever pressed into the Word before? Have you ever got out of the Word? You open the Word, you, you, you take the Word of God, you, you open the Word, and you open it, and, and you come away going, wow, man, I got refreshed. Wow, did, did God put that in there when I was sleeping? Because like, man, I haven't read that one before, but man, I needed that one today. You know, we're on a Father's Day today, and the reality is this. I pray that we would celebrate the greatest Father ever, our great God and Savior. Amen? I pray today that would be our heart's cry. I pray for you, no matter what you're going through, the heartache, the pain, the shame, the disappointments, whatever's going on in your world today, I pray that God would speak in a powerful way to your life. I pray the Holy Spirit right now would would speak in such a way that you go, man, that was Him. And He was speaking to me like, like He's got my number. Because I I know this very clearly, and hear my heart on this. As you see there in your notes today, that we are, yes, in a country in crisis. But the reason is because we have men in spiritual crisis. The underlying cause of our country in crisis is men who are spiritually in crisis. Now, men, I'm talking to me, just not talking to you not talking at you, talking with you, because here's a true statement. And guys, I want you to dial in. Ladies, listen in. It's hard being a man, hard being a father and a husband. It's not easy in this culture. It's difficult. The pressures are overwhelming. And yet in the midst of that, 
in the very midst of that, we know this statement to be true. It's a statement that's gone on for years, and it goes something like this. As the man goes, so goes the home, so goes the church, and so goes the nation. As the man goes, when the man says, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. Like, not up for debate. Like, we're in for Jesus. There he is. We're heading in that direction. When the man does that, there is something that happens in that family. There is something that happens in that church. There is something that happens in that country. When the man says, if none go with me, I will still follow Jesus. The word is so good, isn't it? Isn't it so pure, so refreshing? Here's what the word says in Joshua 24. I pray you have a Bible open as we unpack the word together. And here's what it says. Joshua writes, verse 14 and 15 of chapter 24. Now, therefore, don't miss this, fear the Lord and serve him, how? In sincerity and in faithfulness. Now, here's another command. Put away the gods that your fathers served. Don't miss this. That your fathers served. Put them away. These were beyond the river and in Egypt. Oh, by the way, serve the Lord. 15. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, if that's how you're thinking, if your mind is so warped and twisted, you think it's evil to serve Him? Okay, fine. Choose this day. Now, whom you will serve, whether the gods, here we go, your fathers served, are you picking up on a theme here, fathers? In the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, amen? We are in a country in crisis, we have men in spiritual crisis I've been doing men's ministry for almost 20 years now, and I've seen this over and over. I've seen the patterns. I see what happens. When men are able to be passive spiritually, we will. Like, we will. When we are able to do that, we'll take advantage of it. And yet God's Word says do just the opposite. We'll work so hard at our jobs. We'll work so hard at our sports and our hobbies. How hard do we work at being a man of God? How hard do we press into that? I was thinking through that thought. You know, when dad is off the rails spiritually, it wreaks great havoc. Great havoc. Home, business, ball team, church. There's a domino, a ripple effect when dad is off the rails. And right now, here's what we have going on in our country. We have this and you see it going on so often. You see this. Just, it's like a disease. It's like a pandemic that you see what's going on, that you see men, literally, you have men, grown men bodies, but little boys spiritually. There's not a growth. Hey, I gave my life to the Lord, professed Jesus, accepted Him, fill in the blank, whatever you want to call it. Did it 10 years ago, but I'm seeing zero growth. Not a good sign. Not a good sign. How do you give your life to the Lord 10 years ago and then not see growth? Well, are, are, you, are you praying? Are you reading your Bible? Are you involved in a small group? Are, are you in the fellowship of believers on a weekly basis? And often when I ask those questions back to that man who's struggling, I hear no, 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 and no. 
Well, then you wonder, well, you, you get what you, you pay for sometimes, don't you? Uh, what you put in is often what you get out from your spiritual journey. And if we're not sowing in to our own spiritual lives, we'll do that with education. We'll do that again with employment. Then we'll work so hard and do this and that, even hobbies. There are guys right now today, like right now, there are men that are sending their kids to church with somebody else so they can go cut the grass, go fishing, play golf, rearrange their sock drawer. And then we wonder why the home is in such shambles. Guys, it's high time for me and you. It's high time that we become the men that God has called us to be. See, Joshua, you got to remember the context here. So the kids of Israel, let's paint the picture. Kids of Israel, man, they were this big bunch of people who just loved to obey God, amen? Man, they just loved to obey God, right? They never disobeyed him, never complained, never whined. Man, they were just an awesome group. This big mega church just floating around, wandering around in circles, right? Because they were just this obedient, faithful group of people, right? Well, that's, that's not the translation of the Bible I read. They belly ached and whined and complained. And they rebelled and were stiff-necked and hard-hearted. And God, in summation, says here, you disobey and there's a negative consequence. And Joshua, through 24 chapters, he's now gathered the tribes of Israel. So picture this. We're in verse 14. And as we're in verse 14, he's got them all around him. Just picture people everywhere, all the different tribes. He's got them. Here they are. And he says this. Hey, hey, listen up, listen up, listen up. That's something really, really important to tell you here. Kind of his sermon on the mount is what I call this. And as he is dialoguing with them, as he's imploring them, just like I'm imploring us men right now that, that we can no longer live in prolonged spiritual adolescence. Can't do this. It's killing us. We're unwittingly killing our homes. We're unwittingly killing our churches. We're unwittingly killing our country. Joshua says, here's the deal. He recounts all the blessings of the Lord. And you got to remember, this is a disobedient, rebellious people and he goes, in spite of all that, look what the Lord did in our midst. Like, look what he did. Look at the amazing blessings he brought into our lives. And then all of a sudden, in verse 14, as he's recounting these blessings, he says these words. He says, now therefore. Now, you know by now, church, what that means, right? Every time you see therefore, you ask, what is it there for? And you go up in the text, you go, oh, that's why it's there. And we see it right here in the text. He goes, now therefore, in other words, what he's saying is, heads up, heads up, red light special. Here we go, here we go. I'm going to dial in is what he's saying. He says, I'm getting ready to throw down, coming off the top rope. And he says, therefore, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to command you this with the power of the Holy Spirit to do three things. What's the Bible say in your, in your verse there, verse 14? It says this, now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and faithfulness, Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Here we are in our country today. Turn on the television, social media. You see the utter craziness going on. And by the way, hear me on this. If you think this is going to get better while we sit back as a church in the American culture and just cross our fingers and keep Jesus at a distance this is not going to unfold in a pretty manner. 
Uh, this is going to get worse. We're watching it unfold before our eyes. We're seeing it played out that the dominoes are falling over, aren't they? Just one after another. Each day, one more domino falls over. The issue is one thing. We got to get back to the truth of God's word. Here's the answer right here. In its simplistic form, here is the answer. It's the truth of God's word. Anytime we step out from under this, when I'm under this, I'm under the protection, I'm under the blessing of God. When I step out from under and say, God, I got this, uh, you go do your thing, go back in your cage. When I need you, I will call you, let you know. We forfeit that blessing. And Joshua's saying here, he says, tribes, he's talking to us today. He's saying, look, you have to fear God. Everything starts with the fear of the Lord, everything. People want wisdom. Here's what the proverb says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord. What's that mean to fear the Lord? Well, here's what it means in the Hebrew. It means this, to have a holy awe, like an awestruck wonder. Just awestruck wonder. Talking to our guys today, have you guys ever seen like a, I don't know, maybe like a, an automobile, or maybe it's a, a fishing boat or a pair of golf clubs. Or, man, you see them and you just kind of go, wow, man, that's amazing. That's incredible. See, so often we get more excited about our golf clubs than we do about Jesus. Joshua's saying, look, you got to get to the point in your life, you got to get to the point in your life where, where when you look there, that it's just not out of habit. It's not, hey, i got to go to church. Uh, i got to go do this. Uh, oh, they're having a prayer gathering at the church. Oh, good grief. Why would we ever do that? No, we got to get to the point. We're just like, there he is. Like, wow, he's amazing. Isn't he amazing? Like for the person who's truly saved, truly redeemed, when you understand, when I understand what we've really been saved from, when we really understand what we've been brought from, brought from evil, brought from darkness, been conveyed into the glorious light of the Son, Jesus Christ, when we really understand that, when we internalize it with our minds and our hearts and our souls, how can you not respond back to God going, wow, you're just amazing. Josh was saying, fear him. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. What's the second thing he says? He says in your Bible to serve him. What's that mean to serve? It literally means as we serve him, that we do so with such the extent of having a fully yielded and surrendered spirit. That when he says serve, Joshua's not saying, hey, uh, we need some folks to go stack some chairs. Uh, that's a good thing, by the way. If you like stacking chairs, we need you. That is a good thing. But he's saying, look, I want you to serve the Lord, don't miss this, out of the fear for him. See, often we don't serve like we should because we really don't fear him. And guys, it's high time. It's high time for me and you, dads, husbands, grandpas. It's our time. This is our time to show our families, to model for our families how important God is. Guys, I don't know if you understand this or not, but let me give you the cliff notes. Here it is. Again, I've been doing men's ministry for almost 20 years. I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of good and a lot of bad and even some demonic. I've seen the whole scope. Here's the deal. Guys, listen closely. What's important to you 
will be important to your family. What's important to you, what's important to me, will be important to your family. Guys, here it is. Let's lay it out there. Man, if we're kind of like, yeah, you know what? Uh, Jesus is great, and I got saved, and yeah, I just don't know if I can really get there and be committed, and I'm not sure how important that is. I got to, you know, I got to go out and take care of the hedges and uh, do, do some weed eating. And, you know, again, that sock drawer is really a mess. So, but, but I might see you in a couple weeks. Do you understand this, dads? You are actually modeling for your kids and wife what's important to you. And when they grow up and they don't have the fear of God, they're not looking to the Lord. They're not saying, wow. They're not saying, wow, look at him. He's awesome. In all my years of men's ministry, I can trace it back. Tell me about your dad. And as they began to unpack it, we see a dad that put more effort into his job and his hobbies than into the one who saved his soul. See, God has called us, man. He's called us. He's called us to a higher standard. He's called us to be the men that he desires for us to be. He says, fear me. He says, serve. And then as what he say here, number three, the third command, put away. Put away all the idols, all the gods, the little G gods. There are little G gods everywhere. Here's the deal, men. We are all serving something or someone, all of us are. By the way, the little G gods in our culture, man, they are screaming at us, aren't they? Man, for a man today, ladies, I don't know if you understand this, for a man today, listen closely, most of, if not all, the traps in our society are set up for who? The man. Why? Here's why. Because the enemy is smart enough to know that if he takes down the man, guess who else typically falls with him? His home. I don't know if you understand this concept here, but in my travels throughout the years through churches here in the United States and even some outside the United States, I would see churches that were healthy. I would see some that were struggling, some in between. And here's how this works. It's not overly complicated. But as the man goes, so goes the home, the church, and the nation. If the church is struggling, if the church is unhealthy... Think about this. The first church was in Acts. The first home was in Genesis. You dads, whether you like it or not, tag your it. You are the pastor of your home. Whether you like it or not, that's how this rolls. And because that is your responsibility, it's not the church's responsibility to disciple your kids. We will come alongside you and be the resource, but the discipleship has to start at home. It has to. Listen to me. I know this to be true. You can't send your child to a Sunday school prayerfully at least once a week, right? Sometimes now it's, what, twice a month? But let's just say you're going once a week to Sunday school. You can't send your child to Sunday school just once a week and expect them to detox from the world. It won't happen. It's too much. There's too much allure. Way too much allure. Way too much. Latest statistic, by the way, here, latest statistic is this. By the time a child is 18, by the time a child is 18, male and female, 100% will have viewed pornography at least once. Let me say this again to make sure we're tracking, make sure this is real. So by the time your child, your grandchild is 18, they will have viewed male and female, they will have viewed pornography at least one time. 
You could say, Houston, we got a problem. I would say it like this, heaven, we got a problem that Houston can't fix. Dads, it's up to us. You, I, we are responsible for the spiritual health of our families. It's us. It's us. Joshua says, look, you got a fear. See, everything, don't miss this, everything's an outflow of your fear. What is your fear factor today regarding God? Like, is there a, wow, is there a, amazing, can't believe He saved me. Oh man, I just praise your name every day. I get up going, I can't believe this. This is just phenomenal. Or is it, oh yeah, okay, great. Raise a hand, said a prayer, did a cartwheel, signed a card. Got dunked, hocus pocus, no life change. And then we wonder, here's the comical part of that. Then we wonder why there's not revival. It's just utter insanity that goes on. We got to fear Him. We got to serve. Serve again, fully yielded, fully surrendered. Man, I'm in. Not partially. If we're partially committed, we've just chosen to not be committed. You're in, you're out. There's, there's two options in this, guys, that we're either for the Lord or we're for the enemy, but we can't ride the fence because Satan owns the fence. Fear, sir, put away these gods. Put them away. Literally, it means this in the Hebrew. Make a note of this. It means this to reject, to abandon, to forsake, to never return to again, to destroy, to not allow to hang around in plain English. Whatever idols, whatever temptations that are going to my heart, men, your heart, men, man, we got to put this stuff away. Don't play patty cake with it. Don't take it out of its cage and pet it and put it back in the cage. No, we got to decimate it and destroy it. God will not bless your life. He won't bless your home, won't bless your church, won't bless our country if we continue to cohabitate with sin and Him all at the same time. That's not how this works. We've got to fear Him. We've got to serve Him. We've got to put away. Here's key number one. I know you've been waiting. That was the introduction. Oh boy, you're thinking, good grief. Key number one, here it is. God's man will fear the Lord serve the Lord, and destroy all the idols that have taken up residence in his life. Let me say that again, key number one. God's man will fear the Lord, will serve the Lord, and destroy all the idols that have taken up residence in his life. Not some, not part, not pick and choose. All of them, gone. Like, get rid of them today. Romans, write this down, supporting verse under key one, supporting verses, Romans 13, 11 through 12. Don't you love that? Three, kind of somewhat out of order, but close. Romans 13, 11 through 12. Here it is. Paul writes to the church in Rome, besides this, you know the time. You know the time. Don't miss this. That the hour has come for you, for me. Paul's being very, very direct to the church in Rome. He's being very direct to me and you. He's saying the time has come for you, for me. Dads, for you, for me today, the time has come. Like now's the time. The time has come for what? Here it is. Love this. It's amazing. To wake up from your sleep. The time has come to wake from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than we first believed. Look at verse 12. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, here we go. I love this. Let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. So go with me on this for a moment. So Joshua says this. He says, look, you've got to 
fear the Lord. You got to serve Him, yielded, surrendered. Now you got to put away, reject, abandon, have nothing to do with, decimate, destroy all, not some, not the ones you want to get rid of, not like, I don't want to eat spinach any longer. No, you get rid of all the idols. Get rid of every idol you can think of and you decimate them. And then Paul right here in Romans says, look, here's the deal. Time to wake up. Time to wake up. Like, wake up is what he's saying. Spiritually, wake up. Wake up from the slumber. Our salvation is near. And Paul is urging, he's imploring, he's saying, cast off. Literally take whatever darkness is in your life and my life. I got to repent. I got to humble myself. I got to pray. Take whatever's in your life right now as the Holy Spirit speaking into your life and my life right now. And you take it and you cast it off. Kind of like going fishing, right? I got that rod and reel. and I mean, There's times where you flick it, right? But when you're a young boy, <laughs> you don't do this, do you? Man, when you're a young boy, what do you do? Man, you pray there's super glue on your hand, don't you? Because you're going to show everybody how far you can cast that thing, don't you? You rear back, and man, woo, here we go. And you let that puppy fly, don't you? Man, bam. Man, there's effort. There's intentionality. Take that on steroids spiritually to what Paul's saying. Cast it off. Don't just take it and go, I'm going to sit on my desk and, you know, there, there it is. And you know what happens, don't you? I know what happens in my life. I take my struggles, my pain, and my heartache, and my sin. And when I take that and just sit on the desk next to me, what do I do? You know what I do. Well, I, I start looking at it, peeking at it, don't I? We start peeking over in the corner. There it is. There it is. There it is. Before you know it, what am I doing? Man, I'm reaching over towards it, aren't I? No, we got to be killing sin or be killing us from John Owen, the great Puritan. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. cast it off. And then he says this, put on the armor of light. So you see a casting off and you see a putting on. A casting off, a putting on. We cast off the darkness and we put on the light. See, what's going on in our culture today is simply this. In layman's terms, here's what's going on in our culture. You have light versus darkness. You have good versus evil. Holiness versus the enemy. Truth versus deception. That's what you have going on here. And Paul says here, Cast it off and put it on, this armor of light. The armor is so important. Any of you guys and ladies, praise Jesus if you're a lady and you answer yes on this, but any guys and ladies who love football? So imagine, just imagine that you like football. And then imagine this. Imagine that the football team, the football team is in the locker room. They're getting ready to go out on the field. And they run out on the field. And as they're running out on the field, here they come out in their flip-flops. Their Hawaiian shirts and their Bermuda shorts. They come running out. Ooh, here we go, man. It's going to be a great game. Yeah, it's going to be a really great game for us to watch you get decimated. And they go out there wearing that protection to go take on their opponent. 
What's going to happen when you are a man? You're a man today, and you get up every morning, and you don't put on your spiritual armor. Man, the enemy is going to eat us for lunch, guys. we got to put on our armor, that helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. We have the sword of the Spirit. Man, this is what Jesus used. Remember when he was tempted in the wilderness by, by the enemy himself? In every instance, what did he do? What did he do? Well, he said, hey, uh, let me go consult what they, a local psychologist says, right? He said, let me see what Dear Abby's are writing about in the newspaper. No, what did he do? He always went back to the truth. The one thing that we're no longer under as a country. He went back to it and he says, look, it is written. The best way to neutralize the enemy's work in your life is to be in the Word and the Word to be in you. Because when you're in the Word and the Word's in you, man, as the enemy's coming at you with those fiery darts, you quickly just take up your shield of faith, don't you? Man, you take it up wherever he's aiming, boom, 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 boom. And you've got your shield of faith. Here you go, your shield of faith, one after another. That will quench, Ephesians tells us, the fiery darts. That shield of faith is so important, guys. Because as you begin prayerfully from this day forward, me prayerfully from this day forward, begin to live for Jesus like never before. I pray even right now the Holy Spirit's working in my life and your life, that you're hearing Him clearly, that He's speaking clearly, that you're going to respond clearly. And I pray you do so in obedience, that I would do so in obedience, that we'd walk in humility, to be coachable and teachable, that Jesus is our true captain. And as we think about that, you take up those fiery darts as they're coming at you. You're, you're taking them on. And the shield comes up. And the enemy goes, okay, if I can't get to you, man, dad, husband, I will get to the people closest to you to get to you. That's what he does. He just works down the pecking order. That's why we have to be in God's Word. That's why this is so important. This is not, again, just communicating information. This is not just, hey, it's time to do a sermon, so let's get her and talk about the Bible. It's not what we're doing here. This actually transforms us. It's the Word of God that will set you free today, Dad. Whatever you're going through today, Dad, husband, grandpa, that you're struggling with, the answers are found here. I can promise you. It's in the Word. Because at a minimum, as you open the Word, as you begin to open it up, the Word speaks, doesn't it? I mean, it just speaks. It comes to life like never before. Are we God's man? Are we fearing Him? Are we serving? Are we putting away, destroying our idols? So how about the last verse? Here it is, verse number 15. Here it is, verse number 15. Look at it in your Bible. Here goes Joshua. He's kind of ripping off that scab with directness. He comes out swinging. Here he goes. And if it seems evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, you think it's evil, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Again, Joshua takes those gloves off, doesn't he? He says this. He says this word choose. He says choose. It literally means this in your Bible when you look at it there. It means to decide, to select. And by the way, there's no such thing as partial surrender. You don't say, hey, I partially surrender. No, you either surrender or you don't. There's no halfway in between. Well, we've made it way too easy. It's a sanitized version of Jesus. 
this Mickey Mouse, Humpty Dumpty Christianity requires nothing. Hey, just I'll take Jesus whenever I want him, whenever I can get to him. Not surrendered, not obedient, not transformed, just kind of on the fringe, not growing. That's not what God has called us to, men. He's called us to holiness. He's called us to lead. He's called us to be the shepherds in our home and in our church. He's called us to this, and He will hold us accountable. Joshua says, choose. When? This day. Now. Now. Not tomorrow. Not this afternoon. Now. Like men, me and you, this is our time. Like right now. You don't know what tomorrow may bring. We don't know what this afternoon may bring. We live like we think we know. We don't know. Don't you want to get to the end of your life? And don't you want men, don't you want at the end of your life when those people stand at your funeral, the people most important to you, what are they going to say about us? Like really, what are they going to say about us? Are they going to say all he did was work? All I do is hobbies. I pray that those people, when they get up at those services, unless Jesus returns first, I pray they get up and say, man, man, my dad, my husband, he wasn't perfect. But man, he, he opened the scriptures. But he prayed. He loved us well. He modeled Christ. He lived the message. Because all this other stuff we put so much value on won't last into eternity. But the souls we minister to, the souls that we model Christ to, the example we show of Christ, they will last in eternity. And folks, don't miss this. Every one of us will spend eternity somewhere. If you, let me get really direct here. If you are not under the blood of Jesus Christ, truthfully, Again, not raise the hand, say the prayer, do the cartwheel, sign the card, hocus pocus. I'm talking about if you are not truly under the blood, like it's real, and you know it's real, like you will know it's real. Not perfect, but you will know it's real. You'll be like, okay, yeah, I don't even recognize that old guy over there. That, that, that guy, he's dead. That woman, she's dead, man. I'm in a new creation. There will be a marked change. Jesus doesn't encounter a person's life and come into their life and not change them. He always changes a transformation. When those people stand there and talk about us, the people that are so important to us, will they do so saying, wow, wasn't perfect. Wasn't perfect. But man, they ran hard after Jesus. They lived and led and left a legacy. What legacy, men, will you leave? What legacy will I leave? Are we leaving a legacy that's going to point people to Christ, especially our families? He says, choose this day, not tomorrow, now, whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, I love this. You go into Cracker Barrel in the little store, right? And you see all the little slogans and all the little soaps and whatever going on, you know. And, you know, you might see that in there. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. You see it on bumper stickers. You see it on doormats. You, you may even have it embroidered on your Q-tips. I don't know, but it's everywhere. It's a great slogan. It sounds good. But how many of us are really living it? Like how many of us, it's more than a slogan. It's more than a cute verse. How many of us say, man, that is so true. Man, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. You almost get the impression, don't you, that Joshua is just drawing a line in the sand. 
He's like, look, here's the deal. Man, we're at the end of this deal. And uh, by the way, here's what you need to do. You need to fear the Lord. You need to serve him. Put away your idols. Repent from your sin. By the way, uh, if you think that's insane to serve the Lord, that's fine. That's your business. I'm drawing a line in the sand because as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. What would happen uh, here in our church today if every man, if every man gathered here today would say, you know what, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm drawing a line in the sand. From this day forward, Father's Day, 2020, here I am on this day in God's house. I'm drawing a line in the sand. As for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. Can you imagine the revival? Can you imagine what would go on just the revival in your own heart? But what's going to happen when that happens in your own heart? What now happens to your family? Man, they take notice, don't they? Ooh, what's going on with dad? Man, what happened to dad? Ooh, who invaded dad, man? Something's going on with dad. And then dad goes to church. Ooh, what happened to church? Man, just everything's exploding, isn't it, in a positive way. That's what happens when men get on God's page and they surrender everything to him for his glory. That's when revival takes place. Write down key number two. Here it is, your last key. Key number two, write it down. God's man will call other men up to serve the Lord. And even if none go with him, even if no men go with him, God's man will serve the Lord at any and all costs. Let me read that again. Number two, key two, here it is. God's man will call other men up to serve the Lord. Accountability. And even if no men go with him, God's man will serve the Lord at any and all costs. Raise the bar. That's what it is. We're going to raise the bar. Just raising the bar. I've learned this over the years, whether it's a child, whether it's an adult, whether it's a student, where we put the bar is typically where they ascend to. Sometimes our expectations dictate where people grow to. And we're going to have an expectation that we're going to be under God's word. We're going to have the expectation that every man is going to be a man that says, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. No ifs, ands, or buts. This is how we roll. From this day forward, we're serving Jesus to make a difference. You say, preacher, why are you so passionate about this? Here's why I'm so passionate. It's because our culture is unraveling by the second before eyes. And if we continue to try to solve spiritual issues with man-made solutions, it will never happen. The answer, the answer to our crisis is Jesus. It's it. Like, that's it. It's Jesus. The neighborhoods, the people around us, they don't even know it many times. They are hungry. They are thirsting for a word from heaven. And I pray you and I, dads, men, and ladies, will be the ones. Write down 1 Corinthians 16, 13 under that key number two, a supporting verse here. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Here's what it says. Paul writes to that church in Corinth. Man, they were messed up. They were jacked up is what they were. They had so many sin issues, temple prostitutes. Here's what he says. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Don't miss that. Act like men. Be strong. You know, if you really want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat, don't you? So many people go, man, I want to do great things for Jesus. I want to use my life as just this awesome deal and vessel for his glory. That's awesome, by the way. We appreciate that. But there's got to be some action behind the desire. If you really want to walk on that water, you got to get out of the boat. Remember Peter? He's getting out of the boat, right? He's getting out of the boat. 
I can imagine what the disciples were saying to him. The other disciples are probably laughing at him. There goes Peter again. There goes Peter again, out of the boat, doing his thing. But he got out of the boat, didn't he? See, typically in God's economy, in his kingdom, great reward is preceded by risk. There's always risk to live for the Lord. And maybe right now God's speaking to your heart. He's saying, look, I need to risk this. I need to surrender. Maybe right now you're hanging on to something which is so comfortable. Oh, man, it feels so good. Oh, it's your Snuggie. Well, you're hanging on to it. It feels so good. And God's saying, no, no, you got to take away. got to remove that. I, I want to move you here. I want to use you here. I want you to give this. Fill in the blank. It's uncomfortable. But if you're really going to make a difference and leave a legacy, not only put on that armor, but if you're going to walk on that water to Jesus, you can't stay in the boat. you got to get out of the boat. And so many men struggle with that. You know, men, I want to give you three things here. That maybe you're here today and you're like, okay, the Holy Spirit's speaking in my heart. Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking heavy in your heart. You're a dad, you're a grandpa. You say, I, I need some tools here. I want to know because, because maybe, maybe you're here today and, and maybe the bottom line, maybe the reality, the truth is this. Maybe you have not been a, a real good dad. Hey, we're, we're guilty. I've failed. There's regrets I have. You see, here's the key, though. Here's the key. Don't stay in the past. Move humbly into the future. So if you're here, guys, and you're tracking, you're going, man, that's me. I haven't been a good dad at all. I've struggled. Hey, join the club. Man, this thing's hard. Like, ladies, this thing is really, really hard. In our culture, to be a godly husband, a godly man who's in the Word, who's praying, who's trying to lead his family well, trying to pay the bills, all the stuff that's going on, it's very, very hard. It's difficult. It's not easy. But guys, here's the deal. Some of the greatest words you can speak into your family are these words. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? If you want to watch your family get transformed... Be humble enough, be godly enough to say, man, I'm sorry. Man, I messed up. That one was a doozy, by the way. I've done a few before that weren't too good, but that was a doozy. I'm sorry, forgive me. Man, when you humble yourself, remember, you're the leader. What happens? What is important to us will be important to our wives and our children. So what are three phrases you can tell your kids, your grandkids, grandpas? that will forever change their lives. Three phrases. Number one, I love you. The power of I love you. When you look into that child's eyes and say, I love you. When you look into that child's eyes and you say this, I'm proud of you. You look right in their eyes and say, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. When you look in their eyes and you say, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe God's going to use you for such a time as this to redeem the time and make a difference. When you speak that blessing into their lives, I'm not saying they don't walk away and do things uh, that are off the rails. We see that happening. But guys, let's start today with our kids, with our grandkids. And maybe you have a child today who is off the rails. Hey, we're going to pray hard for them, amen? We believe God is the God of grace and mercy. We believe he can bring back the prodigal, amen? I believe that. 
but I believe that. You can still be proud of them that they're your son, that they're your daughter. There is something that happens in a child's life when they hear those words from their dad, that I love you and I'm proud of you and I believe in you. You say, preacher, God's speaking. What do I do next? Here's what I got for you. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray. Dads and grandpas, here it is, takeaway question. What inheritance am I leaving my children and grandchildren? Just ask yourself that. What inheritance? Not a financial inheritance. Not I get the house. I get the cars. Bank account. Nope, not what we're talking about. I'm talking about an inheritance an inheritance that will never, never go away. I'm talking about a spiritual inheritance. Men, what inheritance are you sowing into your kids right now? You say, I've been a bad dad. Hey, that's in the past. What inheritance are you sowing into your kids right now? What are you going to do starting today going forward? you got today. Don't waste today. Choose this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. What inheritance are you sowing in? And by the way, I've learned this over the years, whether it be church, business, ball teams, you name it. Denial may be a river in Egypt, but denial is a really bad strategy. Like it's a really, really bad game plan. And the worst thing I can do, dad, or you can do, dad or grandpa, is to look in the mirror and reorient and redefine what's really in the mirror. We must be open and honest and say, look, that's what's in the mirror. And I've struggled, but I'm going to change this today by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be the man God's called me to be. I'm going to rise up and lead in my home and my church and my business and my ball team. I'm going to be that leader. We never stumble into being a leader for God's glory by accident. There's always some element by the power of the Holy Spirit of a motivation that leads us into that presence. Men, do you really want to get to your deathbed and at your deathbed, all that you have, all that you have at the end of your deathbed is a pile of regrets. See, it's up to you, men, up to me to change the course starting right now. Like right now, we have an opportunity to change the course of our families. What's important to us will be important to them, rest assured. So here's your action step. Write this down, action step. Here it is. Write it down. Men and dads, even ladies, students, children, everyone in the church house today, write it down. I resolve today, resolve today to be a man who is totally surrendered to God. Now, of course, if you're not a man... Don't put man in there, but you know what I mean. We need people who are surrendered, totally surrendered. Randy Alcorn said it like this. Missed opportunities begin as exceptions. They become a habit, and the next thing we know, our children are gone. And we wonder what we could have built into their lives if only we'd realized how important and fleeting our time was with them, In quotes. Do you hear that? You think about missionary Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott went to conquer for the glory of God a foreign land.
And Jim Elliott said these words, and he pinned them before he was martyred at a very young age. He abandoned everything because he said, I'm going to be a man who's all in. I'm going to be a man who fears the Lord. I'm going to be a man who serves, yielded fully to his glory. I'm going to be a man that puts away and crucifies all the sin and idols of my life. And here's what he said. I love these words. This is a man who abandoned everything. And he said these powerful words when he said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he can never lose. He's no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain that which he can never lose. So many times dads, men, husbands, grandpas, we're hanging on to this life, the stuff of this life. Can't keep this. It's here today, gone tomorrow, it's fleeting. You will never lose eternity with Christ. Amen? He has sealed us for the day of redemption. And just imagine passing that on to your children, to your wife, to your grandchildren. There's nothing greater. So as we close today in this time of message, I want to ask you something. Men, I want to talk to us for just a moment. Men, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? Like right now, what is He speaking? I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that He's stirring. I pray you're hearing Him clearly. I pray today that you choose this day who you're going to serve. I pray you fear Him in holy awe and splendor. I pray you put away the sin. I pray you say, but as for me and my house, I pray as you live, but as for me and my house, I pray today is a rallying cry in your life. I pray your wife sees it. I pray your children see it. I pray your grandchildren see it. What happened to dad? What happened to grandpa? Oh, he truly gave everything to Jesus today. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.